You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about the importance of knowing your numbers and how to calculate major business KPIs. So it's just going to be me today. Uh, This is just a solo cast, but I love this topic. I nerd out on this topic so hard. I talk to a lot of owners about KPIs and it can be a super overwhelming thing for a lot of people. Um, So I'm going to try my best to tackle it on this episode um, or at least, you know, start the conversation. So I think there's, well, there's a lot of different ways we could bring, break this down, but I'm going to break it down into um, what you need to think about when you're launching your business. And then I'm going to talk about uh, the KPIs that you need to think about when you are running your business. Okay. So it's been my experience that in talking to a number of women founders or women who are looking to start their own business, the number one fear or concern most of them have in doing so is financial stability, which is totally fair um, and is responsible. So if that is you, you are doing just fine. Um, but the number one question they say is they want to know how they can, uh, make the same amount of money they were making at their corporate job. And they want to make sure that they can, you know, pay all their bills, et cetera. But I'd like to offer a reframe of that. So if you're coming from corporate, you've been making a W2 salary. So everything that you have made from your corporate job is taxed and taxed with payroll taxes, et cetera. Now, when you're an entrepreneur, you have a lot of different ways you can pay yourself without getting taxed on every single dime. There's different tiers of taxes. I'm not a registered tax professional, but I've asked a lot of questions and I can speak to it at a high level. Um, so I, I beg you to you know, consider asking yourself, instead of how can I make the same amount of money I was making in your corporate job, figure out how you can cover your living expenses um, instead of replacing your salary. And what I mean by that is, you know, for some people starting their business, they uh, will likely start as a sole proprietor instead of say an S corp. Um, They'll set up a legal entity as an LLC, which is most common, um, but is not always the right choice, but is most common. Um, And generally speaking, if it's just them and they're just starting out, they'll probably set up their tax identity as a sole proprietor instead of an S-corp. Now, if you're running payroll, you'll probably be running as an S-corp. But if you're not ready to do that yet and payroll taxes, et cetera, can be crazy expensive, um, so it may not be the right move for you yet, you'll probably set up as an S-corp. And what that means, or I'm sorry, you'll probably set up as a sole proprietorship. And what that means is that the majority of the way you'll get your money out of your company is through profit distributions, which means that you will not be paying payroll taxes on that money. So you'll be paying state and federal taxes on your distributions, but you won't be paying payroll taxes, which can be pretty pricey. Um, and it, it absolutely adds up. So That's one way to cut down on taxes. Um, Now, if you are an S-corp and you 
uh, do decide to set up payroll, then there's a whole bunch of other ways you can reduce, um, you can meet your personal goals, such as through retirement savings plans, et cetera, while reducing your taxable income, which ultimately as a business owner is the profit that you have at the end of the year. So we hear a lot of people talk about, um, oh, I have a million dollars in revenue. Great. Well, if it took you $999,000 to make a million dollars, then you would have been better off making $500,000 in revenue and it cost you $250,000 to make that, right? So revenue is an arbitrary number, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but profit is also a number that you need to keep out for, keep an eye out for. Uh, because a lot of people will talk about, oh, I have all this profit at the end of the day. Well, you want to be careful of that because you get taxed on all of your profit. So when I say think about how do you cover your living expenses, through your business, there's a number of different things you can run through your business legally that you would have otherwise had to pay for out of pocket post taxes after you say received your W-2 paycheck. So for example, um, let's say you have a, a home office and it has to be a dedicated home office, right? Let's say just for math sakes, um, it's 10% of your total home. And let's just say that your mortgage is $1,000 a month. So that's $100. So 10% of $1,000, $100 a month that you can get reimbursed back through your business without paying a dime in taxes. Now that's $1,200 throughout the year. That money you would have had to have paid taxes on first before receiving out of a W-2. So you take 1200 times or divided by point whatever your taxes are. And that's how much money you would have been making in order to get that $1,200, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of different things like that. And um, I actually have a webinar on this, uh, Eight Ways to Pay Yourself. Uh, you can check it out on rate9.com under our resources tab and webinars. Um, and I'll go through all this stuff in a lot more detail. Um, but my point being is that there's a lot of different ways you can cover your living expenses without just focusing on a W-2 paycheck. So again, let's get back to uh, if you're launching your business and uh, what you need to think about. So you need to understand your personal living expenses right now. So what what are your current expenses um, and how much and, and in what ways do you need to cover that? Uh, like I said, you probably are living somewhere. Um, and so Home reimbursement, home office reimbursement is one of the ways that you can subsidize some of that expense. Same thing for utilities and phone and car and internet. Those are all things you're going to pay for anyway. Um, but there's ways that you can run them through your business legally that reduces that um, income you need to get out of your business. So uh, some of the other KPIs you need to think about when you are launching your business, and it's okay if you don't know these things right away, because it will probably change over time. It's just part of the process, right? But you need to think about what you're going to sell and how to appropriately price it. Most of the clients I work with um, all need to increase their pricing. So uh, if you're working with a small business owner right now, make sure you sign a contract with them before they get to me <laughs> because I will most likely tell them they need to increase their pricing. And it's not just because, oh, you need more money. It's because most of us have done a really poor job of understanding how much it actually costs us 
to do the thing that we do. So for example, when I ran Brainchild Studios, we would build websites. And uh, for a long time, I would just kind of talk to my contractors and say, okay, yeah, I think that's what it'll be. That's what it'll be. I'll get quotes from everybody. I'd put together my estimate, et cetera. And then I would wonder why I wasn't making any money. Well, I realized I had not accounted for my own time. I, in most cases, had not accounted for project management time. I had not accounted for revisions in a a lot of cases. I maybe had forgotten to ask certain contractors for, uh, you know, wireframes versus designs versus edits. You know, so there are just so many things. I'd say when we built out a website, I have um, what I call an AGI uh, calculator spreadsheet. And I'll talk about AGI in a minute as well. Um, but when I built out every single line item for a website build, it would probably be between 20 to 25 line items. And uh, without building that out, I would oftentimes be missing about 10 of them. And that's your entire profit. That's that's the money. Um, actually, one of my very first most expensive learning lessons was uh, within the first year of running Brainchild, we had signed what ended up being one of our largest contracts that lasted the entire length of the business. But in that first year, I had put together the entire contract and I had not accounted for one hour of my time. So for an entire year on the largest contract we had ever signed, I worked for free because I forgot to account for my own time. So we need to figure out what we're going to sell and how to appropriately price it. And we also need to make sure that we're not pricing ourselves out of being realistic in terms of what people can afford, Um, which is why it's really important to understand who your audience is and the problems that you're solving for them and how expensive those problems are. You've asked for it, so I'm building it. I've taken the feedback I've received over the last year regarding our in-person workshops and retreats, and I'm building out a masterclass for women looking to leave corporate and launch their own consulting business. I know most of you are planners, so you're not looking to jump ship tomorrow, nor should you. So we're building out the most comprehensive six-month course with over a dozen industry experts that will meet virtually once a week live to answer any questions and create the community necessary to succeed in entrepreneurship while giving you the opportunity to digest the content when it works best for you and your schedule. This first cohort will launch October 3rd. I meet every Tuesday for six months with a few adjustments for the holidays. You'll gain access to the starter kit, six months of content, walking you through everything you need to know how to start your consulting business the right way, in addition to three one-on-one coaching sessions. Since this is our pilot program, we're offering what would be a $10,000 investment for $7,000 and payment plans are available as needed. Working with all these experts would cost you well over $60,000 though. So save yourself 50 grand and a few years of trying to figure it out on your own and join us this October for a program that I promise will change your life. Learn more at ricksrixmasterclass.com. Like I mentioned, we also need to figure out how much time it's going to take to to deliver client work. And uh, you also need to realize that you're not spending 100% of your time working on in your business as an entrepreneur, working in the business on client work. You can't because if you do, you will have no more work to do. So I always like to say you should think about working on your business spend about a third of your time working in the business. So 
communications, client work, et cetera. Um, a third of your time working on the business. So um, that might be big ideas, that might be um, improving operational systems, et cetera. And then a third of your time growing the business. So that's your marketing, your networking, your sales, et cetera. Because if you aren't growing your business or you're not actively trying to increase uh, leads or quality leads and get your name out there, you're not going to have any more business to, to do. Um, and so th those percentages might shift a little, you know, when you're first getting started, um, you might not have as much client work. So you might spend more of your time um, in the growing your business phase, or you might spend more of your time in the on your business phase because you're just getting systems and processes set up for the first time. And once you get it up and running, you know, there might be certain times where you're spending more time on client work because you just got so much of it. But just make sure that you're keeping those percentages in the back of your mind because if you find yourself spending 75% of your time doing client work, you're going to be struggling and suffering in something else. So just keep that in mind. So that's another KPI we need to keep in mind is how much of our time we are spending working in the business, on the business and growing the business. Um, it's also important to understand what your estimated financials might look like in year one and understand that just getting started, you're going to have some initial overhead costs. You know, I think that um, that's going to look different for everybody. So uh, different overhead costs can look like I said, can look different depending on what business you're in. Uh, in a lot of the work that we do, we work with a lot of service-based businesses, a lot of coaches and consultants. Um, I'd say that the average startup cost for year one, now again, this can mean, this can be different for everybody, but we typically will see um, anything between like fifteen to $70,000 um, so again, you can, there's different variations of that. You know, why is it $15,000 versus $70,000? It depends. Like how much money do you want to spend on consultants to help you get up and running? Do you need a business strategy? Do you need a sales strategy? Do you need an operational strategy? Do you need operational infrastructure? Are you setting up something like HubSpot right away? Um, what's your marketing strategy? Are you outsourcing social media? Like all of these initial things. Um, and if you have a business that requires uh, capital, you know, you might be looking at that as well. But again, there's ways to reduce that cost and there's ways that that can sneak up on you. But you need to keep that in mind. And you also need to keep in mind what your average operating costs might look like once you get up and running. So we tend to see that this can be anywhere from four to twenty or $30,000. Uh, depending on how big you build your business and again, what other services you are using. Um, so I'd say on average, we probably see about $5,000 a month in total operating costs, but we can talk about that more in, in just a moment. Um, so once in terms of launching your business, once you understand how you're pricing your business and the amount of money you need to bring in to cover your expenses, you then need to take that average order value, so your average price of product, and you need to do a little bit of math to figure out how many clients you need uh, to bring in that revenue. And then we need to back out into conversion rates to figure out, okay, if I need you know, 10, 10 clients, say, um, what is that sales process to get there? So just because I have 10 leads does not mean that it's gonna result in 10 clients. 
generally speaking, you have different conversion rates at every stage of the process. So um, we have, you know, say you need 10 clients. And if you have a 80% close rate, if your sales, let's, let's back it up. If your sales cycle is, I have a lead, then that lead, some percentage of that lead goes to um, a discovery call. Then some percentage of those discovery calls turn into contracts or SOWs, scopes of work. And then some percentage of that turns into um, your new clients. Now you can see how that whittles down, right? So, so let's say, let's say you are looking for nine new clients. Okay. Um, and, or let, let's go back to our round number. Let's say you're looking for 10 clients. And if you have, um, 10 clients, I'm going to do some math here as we do this. So if you're looking for 10 clients, let me, let me do some math. Okay. So if you're looking for 10 clients and your um, the number of SOWs that you send out that turn into clients, if 75% of the SOWs you send out turn into clients, then you need to send out 13 SOWs for the year, right? And if 50% of your discovery calls turn into SOWs, you need to have 27 discovery calls a year to get those 10 clients. And if 10% of your leads turn into discovery calls, you need 267 leads in order to get those 10 clients. So it's just important that we understand our conversion rates at each step of the sales cycle, because that's going to be important, um, not just in estimating how many leads you need to launch and begin your business, but also in running your business. Um, Okay, so those are some some big KPIs in terms of launching your business. Now let's take a little bit of time and um, flesh out some of the topics. Some of these things I've talked about a little bit already, but I want to flesh out more topics in terms of business KPIs when it comes to running your business. So again, I talked about revenue. Revenue is an arbitrary number. Revenue is a number that... Um, people brag about, right? Oh, I've got a seven figure business, but I'm not going to tell you how much I spent to get it. Like it doesn't really matter. Um, revenue really doesn't matter at all. What you want to focus on is AGI. So adjusted gross income, um, and adjusted gross income is your revenue minus your COGS. So depending on the type of business you're in, there's different percentages that are recommended for different industries. For example, the agency world, um, we recommend generally speaking that a COG cost of goods sold um, is about 25% of your total revenue. And that's because generally speaking, your operating expenses will be about 55%. And then your profit will be about 20%. And then that profit gets broken up into different categories. Understanding that probably about 25 to 30% of that will be taxed, right? So revenue, arbitrary number. COGS, you want to keep an eye on that. You know, depending on your business, you're going to need certain COGS. And a COG is 
um, can be equipment, it can be materials, it can be a contractor needed to do that specific work. It is not an employee. An employee is an operating expense because regardless of if you have work for that person to do, you still have to pay them. So um, keep an eye on your COGS and then that's your AGI. And your AGI, adjusted gross income, is essentially the amount of money you have left to run your business. So then we get into operating expenses. And operating expenses sounds pretty straightforward. It's This is the amount of money that you need to operate your business. But this is also where it can get really interesting. So this is where we can, again, back to uh, the top of this conversation, is we can start running some of our personal living expenses legally through the business. Now, not all of them can legally be run through the business. So be mindful of you know, how far you push that. But there are things, like I said, reimbursements such as home office and um, your cell phone and your internet and your utilities and your car. Uh, you can either do a percentage of your car or mileage for your car. You can't do both um, and you have to stick to one. But those are some things just off the top of my head that you can run through your business. And um, there's also different things. So say you have a home office and you're looking to... Um, you know, get a new desk or get a computer. Those are things that you need for your business and you can run those expenses through your business as well. So those aren't personal expenses or they don't need to be. Um, so this is, I love operating expenses because this is where we get to get really creative, right? So say you also, um, you took a trip and you can make the argument that you spent the majority of that trip uh, doing research for um, for your business or for a client, et cetera, you can likely expense the majority, if not all of that trip. And so this is where increasing your operating expenses in ways that work for you and cover some of your personal expenses is what I really love. And there's a lot of tax strategy in there, um, which is really exciting. So then when you take your AGI, adjusted gross income, and you subtract all of your operating expenses, that's when you get your profit. And your profit is what you're going to get taxed on um, at whatever tax rate you're at. Um, and this is what we want to reduce, right? So if you have $10,000 in profit because you've been able to maximize maybe a retirement savings plan and your home office reimbursements and, uh, oh, the Augusta rule, which I forgot to talk about. The Augusta rule is, um, is another fun thing um, coming out of operating expenses. It started in Augusta, Georgia for the masters and they allow people to rent out their homes for 14 days and receive income from that tax-free. So you as an owner can do that as well in your business. Now this only works if you don't have a brick and mortar location, um, but if you are operating virtually say, um, you can quote unquote host business meetings in your home. Now you have to have minutes and you have to prove all these things, right? But you can do that up to 14 times a year and you can pay yourself back. So um, Kylie Peters as the person can invoice Rain 9 as the company for up to 14 times a year for holding business meetings, legit business meetings um, in my home for X hours. And I can show that if I were to rent a space somewhere else for that similar time frame, that it would cost me X dollars, right? Um, so that way, I, then the business refunds or reimburses 
me, the person for allowing me to rent that space for them. Um, so that you can sometimes look up to anywhere from eight to $9,000 a year uh, that you can get back out of your business tax-free. So again, if you're looking at profit and you have $10,000 being taxed versus $100,000 being taxed, it really just depends on how much taxes you want to pay. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily be focused on maximizing profit. I would be strategically focused on maximizing operating expenses. So you minimize profit, the amount of money you get taxed on. However, you also want to be super mindful of cash flow. And in my opinion, I think this is most important because the reality is that if you don't have cash in the bank, you can't pay anyone. And especially if you have payroll, uh, it's illegal to not pay payroll. So uh, you need to be really mindful of your cash flow. So again, that's why when running our business, it's so important to take a look at numbers every single month and have a clear understanding of what that's going to look like month over month. Because if you start to see that number dip into the negative, you've got to change something, right? You have to you have to make a, a new plan because you can't go into negative cash flow. You also need to take a look at uh, another business KPI is deliverable profitability. So uh, like my website example earlier, if it costs, if I'm charging a client, say $10,000 to deliver a website and it costs me $9,000 to build that website, that's only 10% profitability. That means my COGS are 90% and that's terrible. Um, what I want to have that be the idea of profitability for me and the ideal COGS in that situation, if I was charging a client $10,000, I would want my contractors, et cetera, to be charging me a total of $2,500 so that I have that 25% COGS, I have 55% to um, put towards my operating expenses, and then I've got that 20% profit at the end of the day. Another business KPI you want to look at is average sales cycle length. So if you have, say, a discovery call and the next day somebody books a contract with you, that's amazing. Congratulations. That doesn't usually happen. Um, but that's really important to know because if you have a discovery call and it takes them three months, six months, sometimes a year to book a contract with you, you need to bake that in, right? So, and we can't assume that 100% of our discovery calls are going to turn into clients. So we really need to understand what that sales cycle looks like so that you can project your financials more accurately. Um, you also want to understand average order value or AOV. So if uh, if you have a number of different products and say you have one that's 2,500, you have one that's 7,500 um, and they're both purchased uh, the same amount, the same frequency, then you're probably looking at an average order value of $5,000, right? So then you need to figure out, okay, if, if on average, every client that comes through the door is gonna pay me $5,000, then how many of clients do I need to get me to the dollar amount that I'm looking to hit. You also need to understand um, average customer lifetime spend or lifetime value. Um, so say you get, depending on what your service offerings look like, you might have an introductory product, which is great, gets them in the door. And then maybe a couple months later, they purchase another thing from you. And then a couple months later, they purchase another thing from you. And then you have an offer that is on retainer and they do that for the next year or two. 
So you know, and if that becomes normal for your business, then you know, and I'm just making up numbers, um, but if somebody comes through your door within the next three years, they're on average going to spend $30,000 with you, then you know that a, an average client is worth $30,000. So you can then make your um, decision in terms of how much you want to pay to acquire that client. So a cost per acquisition, CPA, um, is also a key metric you want to keep an eye on. If you know that every client you get is going to be worth $30,000, might not be a bad idea to spend $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 to acquire that client because you're already looking at a really solid ROI. But again, you need to understand your own numbers and you need to make sure that that works for you. If you're interested in asking me questions about running your business, but you're working on a budget and only need a teeny tiny bit of handholding right now, check out the CEO hotline. This is an online community that I'll be managing on a weekly basis, answering questions about running your business. And then we'll have a monthly live Q&A where I'll answer whatever questions you have in real time. Learn more at rixrixceohotline.com. We talked a little bit about conversion rates. So the only way you're really going to know this for yourself is if you start tracking it. Every business is going to be different. but and, and you also need to figure out what your sales process looks like. For most of the businesses that I work with, we're going to see they bring in a lead. That lead will turn, well, a percentage of that lead, those leads will turn into discovery calls. A percentage of those will turn into contracts or SOWs, scopes of work. And then a percentage of those will turn into new clients. That may not be the entire comprehensive process that you follow. So I would say, figure out what your sales process is and then start documenting how many leads you get, how many of those turn into discovery calls, how many of those turns into SOWs, et cetera. Um, for a little while, I was doing this in a spreadsheet, which got really clunky. Um, but now we are utilizing a CRM. We're actually in HubSpot right now and really enjoying it. Um, and there is a free version. So I would highly recommend checking that out. Um, it makes it a lot easier to track everything. Um, and then it also gives you greater insight into your conversion rates. Um, and again, your your business is going to be different than anyone else's. So it's important that you know your numbers. You also need to understand what percentages of your clients repeat. You know, we talked about that a little in average customer lifetime value. Uh, but, you know, do... Do 80% of your clients come back for another, another service or, you know, is every single client a one and done? That's also going to play a role in how much money and time and energy you spend to acquire new clients, because it's a lot easier to upsell an existing client or continuing to service an existing client than to get a net new client. So you need to understand what percentages of your clients repeat. And then again, uh, we talked about this as well. You need to understand your time. As the owner or the founder, uh, there's a lot of things that you and only you can do. We also tend to try to do everything um, for better or worse. And in some situations, you know, that's just what the reality is. But in a perfect scenario, you've got a number of people you can delegate to uh, based off of their areas of expertise and their, their focus. And you want to make sure that you're spending your time appropriately. And I know a lot of people I work with don't like sales, um, but I hate to break it to you. It's been my experience that 
we as founders are always our best salespeople. I know that's not what we want to be true. And we work hard to not make that be the case. But in very few situations, have I found somebody else to be a better salesperson than the owner, unless they are wildly introverted and don't want to talk to anybody, which in that case, you should definitely hire a salesperson. Um, But generally speaking, people tend to want to speak to the owner. They tend to buy the owner. And you have to be really protective of your time. Because again, if you're not out there selling and you're the one that's actually doing the work, you just need to make sure that you have that time and balance. So, all right. I know that's a lot. Uh, let's see if we can do a quick recap here. So in terms of launching your business, um, there's a number of different things you need to understand. The biggest the biggest takeaway I want you to think about in terms of launching your business is reframing this from how do I make the same amount of money I made at my W-2 corporate job to how do I cover my living expenses? Because there's a lot of different creative ways you can do that. And then when it comes to running your business, major KPIs, you need to think about revenue, COGS, AGI, operating expenses, profit, cash flow, deliverable profitability, average sales cycle length, average order value, AOV, uh, cost per acquisition, CPA, average customer lifetime value, average conversion rates based off of the different stages of your sales cycle, the percentage of clients that repeat and how you're spending your time. So there's a lot going on. Um, We're working on helping to make this easier for people to track. And one of the ways that we're doing that is we are launching a uh, financial assessment. So you can check that out at rixrixfinancial.com. And my hope is that that will answer a lot of the questions uh, that you have either in starting your business, or you can even run an existing business through there to see what opportunities may still exist for you. And if you're really looking for a deeper dive, uh, sign up for our upcoming masterclass at rixrixmasterclass.com. And uh, we look forward to uh, supporting you there. We will be launching that on a regular basis. So so take a look and um, and go ahead and sign up. And that's all I've got for you today. Thank you for your time. I hope this was helpful. Um, maybe a little overwhelming, but mostly helpful. If, uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Welcome to Eloma, please go ahead and leave a review wherever you are listening. And I also encourage you to check out and sign up for our weekly newsletter at rixrixnewsletter.com that goes out every Wednesday. And it includes that week's episode of Welcome to Eloma, along with some tips and stories and resources um, from me. So thank you so much for your time and have a great day. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.